to the news of Sean Payton's hiring and looking ahead to Billy and Casey. Safeway presents Stokely and Zach. All right, so we just got the news within the last eight minutes that Bones Highland is, in fact, on the move. The Nuggets are dealing the second-year rising star, quite literally, as he is playing in the rising stars uh, game on All-Star Weekend. He was on the all-rookie team, uh, second team, a year ago. Uh, First time the Nuggets have had one of those since Jamal Murray back in 2015. Uh, But because of a set of circumstances, Bones Highland is being dealt to the Clippers. The compensation in return, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, the Nuggets are getting the Clippers 2024 and 2025 second round picks. Well, yeah, that's it. I think Wait. we. I, 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 I don't remember if I said this on the podcast or on the air with you. Maybe it was both. I think we talked about this exact scenario yesterday. Did we do that on the air saying that his value could have dropped to the point where you're not getting a first round pick? You're talking about two seconds. Yeah, I mean, you were talking about his value being uh, dropping, um, but I, I just didn't. I'd never imagine that's what you'd walk away with, just two second-round picks. I mean, just get a player. Can we get a player? Can we get a player? I hate we're going two second-round picks? What is that What is that going to do? I do not like this deal. I do not like this deal. That, that's, that's, that's my first blush. As an organization, you're, you're Denver, so you, you, you're not going to get free agents. Historically, they never have. You have to hit on your draft picks. You hit on your draft pick. And it wasn't the second or fifth over overall. This was the 26th draft pick. You start to enter, like, Siberia zone. You're getting back two second-round picks in exchange for a guy that's this talented? For a first-round pick a couple of years ago that has exceeded expectations, that, um, you know, his trajectory is on the rise, and it's, uh, I mean, it must have been bad. That's all I can think of, yes. Zach. It must yes. have been bad. It must have been really bad. And They're dead set on getting this guy out of here. Yeah. Man, wow. Not not good though. Not not a good situation at all. Felt like we were going to get a lot more in return and second round picks in the NBA. It's like a seventh rounder in the NFL. Correct. Correct. Very rarely. Now you can point to Jokic obviously as you can point to Tom Brady. It's literally right, the most yeah, extreme yeah. example that you could point to. It's it's arguably or inarguably, depending on who you are, the greatest developmental story in the history of NBA basketball, Jokic becoming a, a, a soon-to-be three-time MVP uh, out of the second round. Never had one of those before. Never had an MVP out of the second round. Um, NBA talent, more than any other sport, is easier to identify at the very top. It's not like the NFL, where we like. when's the last time you heard about a, a ninth-grade football player that was going to revolutionize the sport? It doesn't happen. But you hear about Luka when he's 14, 15. You hear about LeBron when he's 15. Two second-round picks for Bowens Highland is not a good deal, in my opinion, from where we stand right now. We'll see what the picks turn into down the road. But Bowens Highland, um, if you made this deal three weeks ago, I think you get a first-round pick. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what else to really input there. I just, it's... You see Kevin Durant go to the Suns. You see Kyrie go to the Mavs. Other moves are being made in the West. Uh, D'Angelo Russell going to the Lakers. And, um, you know, we get a backup center and give away 
a a score a dynamic basketball player for a couple future picks and I, I'm just like I, th- I thought we we're trying to win now I, th- I I think what you said a moment ago your first reaction to it was spot on man it must have been bad over there yeah and and everyone who is close to the team which can be a bad thing by the way if you're like down if you're if your proximity to the team is so close that you know they're just telling you everything's fine this this doesn't say that everything's fine um, there must have been real issues. Bones Highland, young, immature, uh, has some immaturity issues. Um, but who knows what was really going on? If he was walking out of the building in front of everyone, what was he doing when it wasn't in front of everyone? Don't know. Don't know. But um, Bones Highland been traded to the Clippers in exchange for two second-round picks. There's still um, about an hour to go before the trade deadline. I would imagine this is it for Denver. But we'll obviously, yeah. um, you know, keep our ear to uh, the social media channels, mainly Twitter, uh, where this stuff breaks. So, uh, I mean, they don't have much to give. You know, you, you, you said it earlier. I think it was off air. Um, I mean, you don't have really future first round picks. Um, and now you traded Bones. What else are you going to do? You're not going to, you know, I don't see Michael Porter Jr. being traded here. So it's, nope. it's this is what you got. And. Uh, good luck. We'll see. We'll see how it ages. Time will tell um, whether the lack of inactivity, the lack of a big move, hurts the Nuggets or not. Because other teams are going for it. They are. And usually when you're in this situation, man, you got to go. You got to go. Um, and we'll see. We'll see how it ages. Uh, good basketball team right now, obviously number one in the West. I just don't like to sit on my hands and think that it's going to be the same in three months, and and then you watch other teams get better. It's I don't know. I I, just, I don't I don't think it's a good day for for Denver. Okay, yeah, we we disagree on that a little bit here. Um, we agree on the bones thing. Kind of is a little bit head shaking. Two second round picks for a guy that talented. Um, and we, we we did this earlier, but I think the Nuggets got better today. I think the best team in the Western Conference got better. And when you're that good, like they are, I don't think you need a massive shakeup. You need to work on the edges of your top nine players who are going to play in the playoffs. I think Zeke Naji was uh, rather unplayable in big playoff games. DeAndre Jordan is not playable in regular season games. And we talked about that before the season ever even started. Anyway... Thomas Bryant, I think he's a big physical defending center, averages 12 points a game. If he's your backup, I think the Nuggets got better. Did they get as dramatically better as Phoenix, Dallas, Lakers? No, but those teams had massive room to get dramatically better. That's kind of where I stand on it. Ultimately, we'll see how it ages. That's right. This is, it's, yep. you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what it looks like here. Um more trades. James Wiseman, former um, one of the top picks in the 2020 draft. He was the number two pick uh, just a couple years ago. He is headed to the Pistons for Sadiq Bay, But Bay, who I love and watched his career at Villanova, really just ascending player, he's actually on his way to Atlanta in a multi-team uh, trade. So the and, the and the Hawks are then sending five Second round picks to the Warriors to acquire Sadiq Bay, according to Woj. So, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, any big trades uh, uh, continue to happen, then uh, we will pass that information along to you, the listener. We're going to be joined by 
Jason Wolf in about uh, less than five minutes from now. Jason Wolf Wolf is the author of the uh, expose on Russell Wilson's Why Not You Foundation that has uh, raised millions of dollars. But according to this report, less than half of it goes to charity. Um, the the gist of the report is that there's these exorbitant um, exorbitant salaries for the directors of these charities that are more than twice the the median salaries. You're talking about over two hundred thousand dollars. You have these conflict of interests where the guy who's the, running the charity is actually launching private businesses for Russell and Sierra and getting paid from the charity. Um, it was called a virtual free for all in the article. Um, and I know a lot of people say, hey, you know, this is often this is how charities work. Sometimes they're ch- tax shelters or this or they're that. Um, Russell Wilson won man of the year based off this stuff. Walter Payton man of the year. Walter Payton man of the year. And you start to learn some of the details of like raising two point six million dollars for your golf outing. But then actually only seventy eight grand of that got donated to the cause that it was raised for. That the that go- to me is is shocking. Shocking. You raise that much money and only seventy eight thousand? Seventy eight thousand of two point six million dollars went to that charity. They expensed eight hundred and sixty thousand for the charity golfing event itself. How do you expense that much money for a golf tournament? We talked about it a little while ago. It makes no sense to me. Make makes none. I don't understand it. Um what could you possibly be spending that type of money on? I had someone reach out to me that's in that world uh-huh. um, and, and a really nice course here in Colorado, really nice. And he said, if you were charging like this and that times this many people, like you are maxing out food, prizes, the whole day course, you're maxing out at $100,000. You're maxing out. Max. Max. Max, max. Now, right. if you're Russell Wilson yes. in Seattle, right. that's different than me or you or – me trying to throw a golf out in way Colorado. To way to correct your shot. Right? Russell Wilson probably got, you know, and, and I'm how, just how assuming, I'm speculating. Um, he works with Albertsons, works with Safeway or whatever. And, and so, like, how could you not? I'm, he knows the, you know, he knows the Starbucks guy. And you got this. You got, you, I mean, like, you got a beer distributor there that's going to hook you up with the beer and the pop and the. Um and so you you're going to be pop and the yeah. pop and the pop that's what they say in Buffalo that's what uh, they call that's soda soda water um pop uh soda is like literally like club soda if you say it there so like everything is going to be donated for right. the most part right right but they expense nearly a million bucks so the author of this piece is set to join us in about 2 minutes where does that where does that where does that money go seriously i i don't know i mean my i just don't understand that that to me is just crazy Crazy that you put up a front that you're going to be given $2.6 million away. That's the way you want people to think. What, what do you want them to think? That's on the website. Right. That's, that, that, that's on the why yeah. not you. That is like we raised 2.6, but then the actual tax document said that you donated 78 right. grand. Right. And um, that's just wrong. I, I, on so many levels, it uh, it is. You're portraying that you're donating this amount of money. But you're you're. It's not like you're portraying that you're donating two point six and you're donated two million. Oh, yeah. okay. Hey, still great job, man. That's that's stinking awesome, right? You're portraying that you're donating two point six and you only donated seventy eight thousand to the cause that you were supposed to donate to. Come on, come they, on. They had hey. entire years in twenty twenty. They said twenty four cents of every dollar raised actually went to charity. So. 
it's it's not good. My suspect, like I, I believe that first of all, Russell Wilson has to respond to this. He, if anyone is hyper aware of his reputation, like he he does graduation speeches and he's like the whole theme is you know legacy, 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 legacy. This is right. like such intertwined, like a DNA helix to who he is. Russell Wilson has to respond to this. My guess is, and this is a guess, my guess is Russell Wilson responds to this today. That's my guess. I bet Russell Wilson responds to this today because you come through this the way that we have, and it is not good. And the guy who did all the work and the research over a six-month period is Jason Wolf of the USA Today. He also he's based out of Phoenix. Um, also writes for, um, well, he covers sports enterprise and investigations for the Arizona Republic, Arizona Central, and the USA Today. This was an installment in a series, uh, and we'll get to this overarching theme here in a couple minutes about how NFL players get in trouble with these charities. But, Jason, first of all, thank you for joining us here in the Mile High City. This was, um, it was a longer read that had a bunch of hard copy uh, evidence and it seems that Russell Wilson, uh, the charitable works that he uh, has portrayed, um, are misrepresented. Is, is that a fair uh, statement? Uh, well, first of all, I appreciate you guys having me and, and allowing me to uh, provide the full context of this project because I know the Russell Wilson story is out there and, and it's free on Yahoo while the rest of the project is behind USA Today paywall for some reason, um, but it is a much larger issue than just Russell Wilson and, and his nonprofit, and it's important that we discuss it in the proper context, not just Russ. Um, that said, you know there is a reason why in part two of this part of this five part series we drilled down on Russell Wilson and the Why Not Youth Foundation. That's because he is a recent Walter Payton Man of the Year Award winner whose independent 501c3 has sort of gone off the rails to the point where nonprofit uh, experts, legal and, and accounting experts, are saying that you know the IRS may step in and, and, and levy substantial fines for excess benefit transactions and, and the possibility of private enormous. Now that's not that's, that's not something for us to decide, right? Like that's that's a legal issue, but you know the, the the experts in the field who I've spoken to are saying that you know this is problematic for Russell Wilson and his nonprofit. So that that's why we drilled down on that one in particular. But this is a far bigger issue than just him. That, now you're saying the experts are saying that you know there's there, it looks like it, it could be a, a issue here. Well, what what's the consequences? What what could be the the penalties here for the people that run this? Possibly for Russell Wilson. Um, What's the what's the penalties here? I mean, I believe they're all financial in nature, but that's I, I mean, getting beyond my scope of of knowledge and you know the the project as a whole. Jason Wolf is a writer for the USA Today, and he is the one that uh, released this piece yesterday morning. Uh, in the USA Today, talking about Russell Wilson's Why Not You Foundation raises millions, less than half goes to charity. There was a year where only 24 cents of every dollar uh, that was raised uh, actually went to charity. Uh, the, the governance structure was called a virtual free-for-all. Um, and one of the things that bothered me 
in this piece, uh, among about ten different things, is the the man named Ryan Tarpley, who is a full time employee for the Why Not You Foundation. Yet it seems like, and it not only just seems like, he's telling you on his LinkedIn page he's launching these other private businesses for the Wilsons, uh, a brick-and-mortar store here in Denver, the House of LRC, a financial company, uh, an insurance company. Um, that's a, that's a, a direct conflict of, of interest, is it not, Jason? Yeah, that's a big problem. It, it, it's a huge red flag, all of these nonprofit experts said, uh, particularly because of how much he's getting paid. And, and I understand people like pointing to the Red Cross and the Wounded Warrior Project and, and those types of well-known national nonprofits where they pay their executives, you know, well into the six figures. These are not comparable organizations, right? Like the Red Cross, uh, Wounded Warrior, we're talking about hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars of uh, annual revenue and expenses. The Why Not You Foundation is a $1.2 million you know, annual enterprise. And so you've got more than or, or something about half of the money that the nonprofit raises going directly to, to salaries and benefits for a handful of employees and, and about half of that actually going to charity. Um, that, that, that ends up being problematic. And then, uh, as you mentioned, Brian Tarpley, who's being paid, uh, who, who was being paid over $200,000 a year to serve as the nonprofit's chief strategy officer, which is an odd position, in, in addition to a full-time executive director who was being paid six figures. Uh, and then the second executive, Tarpley, was also working for the Wilson family office and claims that they're both full-time positions. And um, as an attorney, a, a nonprofit expert I spoke to said, you know, if, if he is working full-time for the Why Not Youth Foundation and being paid tens of thousands of dollars above the 90th percentile, for nonprofit uh, leaders, CEOs at like-sized nonprofits in the Seattle area, and he is also working for the Wilson family office, uh, doing things that personally benefit Russell and, and, and Sierra Wilson. You know that it, all of those things would have had to have happened from hour forty-one on in his work week, right? And so, if that wasn't the case, then then this attorney is arguing then. The foundation was paying for Tarpley to do work for Russell and Sierra, right? Which is not legal. Uh, Jason Wolf, the author of the Russell Wilson piece, uh, joining us here. <clears throat> Excuse me, Jason. The, the one thing that I have one of the biggest issues with is you see the big check, two point six million bucks, um, and uh, for Russell Wilson celebrity golf tournament, and only. 78,000 actually gets donated to the children's hospital and there was expenses of like $860,000. Um, I'm just trying to wrap my mind around like $860,000 worth of expenses for a golf tournament. That, that makes no sense to me. Like where did this money go? And to me, that's one of the bigger uh, red flags that I have in all of this. So, so, this is in more of an ethical issue when it comes to what experts said was marketing fluff as uh, uh, opposed to uh, a legal issue, right? Like you can say anything you want when you're standing behind a big novelty check, right? You know, in, in the middle of the stadium, that's neither here nor there. What you put on your federal tax forms is signed under penalty of perjury. 
you know, so, so you are representing there what your nonprofit is actually legally responsible for. Um, to be clear, you know, that $2.6 million check, Seattle Children's receives $2.6 million. It's just that 78000 of that came from the Why Not You Foundation, and the rest of it came from Safeway and Albertson's customers checking out in grocery store lines. Oh, oh, so... That money gets donated, but it was only seventy-eight grand from the Why Not You Foundation. Correct. So the Why Not You Foundation claims that, along with its partnership with Safeway Albertsons, uh, that they have together raised more than ten million dollars for pediatric cancer research at Seattle Children's Hospital. And, and taken at face value, that is true. Sort of. Once you actually start digging into the numbers, you realize that of that $10 million, about $800,000 over the years was donated by the Why Not You Foundation, and nearly the full $10 million came from Safeway Albertsons, which they substantiated to me through documentation. Um, and, and so the money goes to Seattle Children's, it's just whether... It was raised by the Why Not You Foundation, right? And so what the Why Not You Foundation is doing is claiming credit for raising these third-party funds and using that as justification for the six-figure salaries that they're paying. Mm. So they're acting as though they're a larger nonprofit than they actually are, according to their tax records. And that's problematic because payment is based off of what your 990 says. It's not based off of hypothetical third-party fundraising. And in fact, Safeway Albertson says that uh, their Strong Against Cancer campaign, the $10 million that they raised, that was happening five years before they partnered with Russell Wilson's foundation. Mm. So it's kind of silly for him to take credit for raising this full $10 million and, and creating a golf tournament that has never generated positive income. And, and while it has generated contributions, right, donations, um, uh, about 800000 has actually gone to Seattle Children's. Uh, they have donated money to other nonprofits, but essentially his nonprofit works as a fundraising vehicle for other nonprofits that actually have pro- programmatic activities, right? So... Uh, if Russell were to simply partner with Seattle Children's Hospital and raise money directly for them, as opposed to creating these third-party partnerships and having his own nonprofit, uh, then all of the money that he raised would go directly to Seattle Children's Hospital. Right. And that's precisely what Eli Manning has done, another Walter Payton Man of the Year Award winner. Uh, he has partnered with Hackensack. Uh, hospital in New Jersey and, and has raised $22 million directly for them. So there are much easier, more efficient ways for guys to realize their, their philanthropic goals and creating their own nonprofits, which are largely run by marketing people and are an exercise in branding. I mean, that's what I have found at least. So, so, and, and we'll let you go here in a minute. And we're talking with Jason Wolf, the art, uh, the uh, author of this piece about Russell Wilson and the Why Not You Foundation, and how less than half goes to charity. Uh, the piece on USA Today yesterday. So, so, explain it to me like I'm five years old. Why would Russell do all of this? Who benefits the most by all this sort of masking and misrepresenting? Well, I, I, I mean. <laughs> It's difficult for me to comment about a guy's motivation. However, I spoke to 
about a dozen Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year Award winners and, and nominees. And, you know, more than one told me that they've hired publicists, they've hired marketing reps specifically because they wanted to win the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. And if you look back at the last quarter century of winners since the award was named in honor of Payton in 1999, while the NFL points out that, hey, guys don't have to start a nonprofit to be considered for this award, 23 out of the last 26 winners have. So it, it, guys believe that, that this is the path that they need to take in order to get this recognition. And, and more often than not, uh, again, they're run by marketing professionals and, and not nonprofit professionals. Last one here, Jason. And we're talking with Jason Wolf, uh, author of the Russell Wilson piece. Now, you did you dive into all of the Walter Payton Man of the Year awards and, and look at all their foundations? And Russell, by far, was the worst one. Uh, how did it stack up to uh, everyone else's that you looked at? I looked in particular at the last 10. I mean, really deep at the last 10. Um, there are lots of guys who have had problems with their nonprofits. Lots of Walter Payton men. Uh, Man of the Year Award winners who have had issues really quick. Uh, and, and they've all spoken with me, by the way. Um, Russell did not. I, I spoke many times with his marketing guy and, and many times with his attorney, but, but he declined multiple interview requests over several months. Hmm. Peanut Tillman. All right, let me go down this really quick for you because this is eye-opening. Peanut Tillman, um, his nonprofit was run by a for-profit management company that claims two Walter Payton Man of the Year Award winners and more than 30 nominees and charges uh, a ton of money and, and then spends lavishly on overhead and, and ends up giving very little to charity. Um, Peanut Tillman left the company uh, after he won the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award in 2014, and they took a cut of his winnings. Um, that wow. year in 2014, his nonprofit spent 26 cents of every dollar wow. on charity. Calais Campbell, who I spoke to, won the Peyton Man of the Year Award before Russell Wilson. His golf tournament in Phoenix lost money in three or four years and $26,000 overall. Anquan Bolden, first five years of his nonprofit, 25.5 cents of every dollar to charity. Uh, his nonprofit lost 75 grand fundraising from 07 to 09. Andrew Whitworth, the reigning Walter Payton Man of the Year Award winner. He's also spending more in salary than he's uh, dispersing in, in grants, but on a far smaller level. We're talking uh, 33000 in salary, 20000 in charity over the last three years. 35 cents of every dollar uh, goes to charity. But the, the difference between Russell Wilson and these guys that I'm mentioning is these guys who I just mentioned all realized that things weren't going right and took steps to change what was happening within their organizations. Whereas Russell Wilson and the Why Not Youth Foundation appear to be leaning even harder into paying executives more money and spending far less. Since he won the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, uh, his nonprofit spent something like 20 cents of every dollar on charity, when historically it's been 40 cents. So just since he won the Payton Man of the Year Award, you're, you're seeing his efficiency, which was already bad at 40%, almost cut in half. Wow. And it's based off of these huge salaries that he's paying to people that he has outside business relationships with. Wow. There is a lot there, and Jason Wolf is writing about it for the USA Today. It's a five-part series that um, it sheds light on Russ because it's uh, an egregious example, but this is a larger, more systemic issue. Stoke, you want- yeah, just one more real quick. Jason, now, do we know for sure that the uh, man running his 
um, the Ryan Tarpley that uh, was doing some side work for Russell, but also running the the charity. Do we know for sure that Russell and Sierra didn't pay him at all to do the extra work? Oh, he was paid separately. That's in the story. We don't know how much okay. he was paid. We don't know and how Russell's much. Attorney, the vast majority of his work was done for the foundation. And, you know, the, the issue is when you look at the guy's LinkedIn page, he's got five or six different for-profit businesses, two of which he helped launch. Um, there's a lot of stuff that he claims that he did as the chief strategy officer for the Wilson family office on behalf of Russell and Sierra personally. And so, uh, again, all of that would have had to have taken place from hour 41 on if he's getting paid that, you know, to work 40 hours a week for the nonprofit. And, and there are experts who are just like, I, you know, they, they don't buy it. You know, they, it's just it's too much work. Wow. All right. Um, Jason, we really appreciate your time. Uh, go. Yeah. Re- you know, one, 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 one more thing, just, just to be clear, the league and the union are really failing these guys. Right. Because they they have these uh, awards, their most prestigious individual awards, right? And they encourage these guys to give back through through community service and, and through philanthropy. But their educational initiatives, while they do take steps to educate guys, it's clearly not enough. And if the league and the union uh, can educate these guys a little bit better on the front end, these players are going to avoid these situations by and large because I, I feel like they have their hearts in the right place, and they just don't know what they don't know. And they turn to, to people who they hire to have their best interests, right, like agents and marketing reps, and, and they might not know about the nonprofit space. And so it really boils down to an education issue. Wow. Go read Jason's stuff at Jason Wolf uh, on Twitter. Just like it, uh, it sounds, there is a lot to it. We really appreciate your time. Really well done. Uh, old school investigative journalism. And we appreciate your time here in Denver. Thanks, Jason. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Okay. There is a lot there. And we need to take a time out, uh, but we'll react to it next. Reacting to the news of Sean Payton's hiring and looking ahead to Philly and KC, Safeway presents Stokely and Zach. All right, really interesting uh, interview with Jason Wolf of USA Today. We went a little bit long, uh, so yeah. Well, how did you feel? Can we get to that right now? Or yeah, how yeah. like, did you feel after listening to him and how he explained things um, about not only Russ's, but other guys that, uh, you know, it, charitable foundation was, um, you know, a little bit shaky? Yeah, it seems like um, it's a flawed um, sort of system. You know, one of the things, well, a lot stuck out to me, but it seems like there's a spectrum of uh, how egregious it can get. So it seems like Eli Manning is on the furthest, most left left of the spectrum. He said he wanted to raise money for a hospital in New Jersey. Well, guess what? He works with the hospital, and they've raised over $22 million. That's not a hard story for me to follow. This is a hard story to follow. And and, and I think it's it's um, the Russell's on the other side of the spectrum. And in between, you have, like, Andrew Whitworth and these guys where, like, when things get sort of out of whack and how he ended it was really – and your question was – was really relevant because you're like, hey, well, what about these other guys? Like, obviously, you you dwelled on Russ, but what about these other guys? They're like, well, 
This guy, you know, lost money on his golf tournament. This guy's like the difference between those guys is stuff started to go wrong. They're like, all right, we need to pump the brakes here. Like, what's going on? Let's reexamine this. Where Russell has actually leaned into it. It's more. gotten worse. It's gotten worse. And the, one of the things that was really disappointing is he said that forty cents of every dollar raised was going to charity, right. which is already a low amount. He said that's been cut in half since he won Walter Payton Man of the Year. Now only 20 cents since winning the award is going to charity. So it, it sounds like it's an objective for a lot of these guys is to win this award. And the lengths that they're willing to go to win it, they sort of cut some corners. And I know I'm saying a lot here. No, kind of rambling, no, but. no, no, you're not. You, you, you're you're laying it out there really nicely. That's what I got written down. Trying to buy Walter Payton Man of the Year award. I mean, that's what this thing seems like. It's like a couple guys hired a company. Firms. Like a firm to run everything and this firm is built on, hey, we have gotten 20 Walter Payton Man of the Award nominees. Yeah. We've, we, 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 we have two guys that have won it. Yep. We've helped them win this thing. Yep. So partner with us. And, you know, you're looking to try to pump yourself up and, 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 you know, check all these boxes that you need to check to win something like this. Right. I am floored by that. I, I'm, I'm absolutely floored. Me too. That I just thought guys just no. did, did, did good work. Right. And then you get nominated by your team because you just do good work. Like you're not out there like really thinking about it's winning like this award. Next level calculation. Right. Like, hey, I'm going for that Walter Payton Man of the Year award this year. So what do I need to do to win this thing? OK, I need to set up my uh, my my foundation. I need to do this. And then you hire an outside firm to do all that for you. And then you win it and then you fire them and you're done. And you got to pay them half the money, you whatever pay, it is. Yeah, yeah, he said you have to pay them a portion of the cut for if oh you win goodness. it. I wonder what you. Have to, I bet you. I bet you have to pay them if you get nominated from your team. Yeah, yeah. And then you know that's probably like ten percent or something. And then you know fifty percent of whatever you win, you you have to pay them if you win the award. This is nuts. This is crazy. I would never think to do something like that. Like either what I do is good enough or it's not. I'm not going to go out of my way to try to fabricate stuff to help me win an award. Like wow. Like the, I, like oh. the award is the aim. And then you right. unpack it from there. Like, what do I have to do right. to actually win it? And then once you win it, you're less charitable than ever. Yeah. Then you're done. And you're that, out. That is you're so out. Because that wacky. was never what you did. That wasn't who you are. And we're not talking about Russ here. No. We're talking about, you know. A lot I mean, of guys. Yes. A lot of guys. This is the way that it seems like it has gone for these guys. And it's, hey, I want to win this award. What do I need to do to win it? Wow. Just, you hire a company to help you win that award, pretty much that's what it seems yeah, like. It, yeah, a lot a, of the, for a lot of the guys. It's, uh, wow, it just blows my mind to the degree that people will go to um, win something like that. There's a lot of information in this piece. Um, my Stoke, Russell, and I'll say what I said last segment, Russell Wilson has tied himself to this Why Not You Foundation to such a degree I mean, really, to such a degree that he has to respond, and I think he will respond. I think you get some sort of response from Russell Wilson, like, 
today. In the next 48 hours, that's what my prediction. For the next 48 hours, he will respond. I'll say next 24 hours. It's okay. either some sort of statement, an interview. The foundation itself put out a statement, but it was didn't really address anything that this report uh, actually accused um, the Wilson camp of. My guess is that we will hear Russell Wilson address this like freaking today. Because uh, this is this is this is this do you is think he, wild. Do you think he deflects, or do you think he owns it and accepts responsibility for some of the things that weren't happening and promises changes? I think he will refute as much as possible, and while shoehorning in someone maybe wasn't doing what they were supposed to, and changes will happen, something will, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Not exactly taking ownership for it. Right. In a roundabout way, taking yeah. ownership for it, and then there'll be a fall person. Agree. In the next 48 hours. Next 24 hours. <laughs> Might be today before we sign off the air. Seriously. I, I, I am expecting this thing very soon. Um, okay. Whew. You want to play some trivia? Oh, yeah. I'm down. Last two days have been fun. We got some f- Super Bowl trivia. For Brandon Stokely, coming up next. Reacting to the news of Sean Payton's hiring and looking ahead to Philly and KC, Safeway presents Stokely and Zach. You want to play some trivia? You know it. I had a bad day yesterday. Tough day yesterday at the office for me in the trivia um, category. Well, the uh, day before you got five of six, so I just cranked the difficulty yeah. up just a little bit. Nothing crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes they come to me. Sometimes they don't. Nothing nope. scripted here. I don't no, look at the questions no. before. And nope. so it's just like, all right, let's see. All right. Let's see. What linebacker? Argh. What linebacker of the 1990s? Won back-to-back Super Bowls with Dallas, only to join the 49ers and win another Super Bowl the very next season. <sighs> Charles Haley. That's a good stinking guess. Well, no, 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 no. Can I? Can I? Can I? Can yes, I, um, yes, yes. You can put the toothpaste okay, back in the okay. tube. This one. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Charles thank Haley. You, uh, shout out James Madison. Yeah. The Dukes. Um, that's that's uh, Ken Norton. Bingo. Ken Norton Jr. Yeah, the, the son of the prize fighter, the, boxer. the heavyweight fighter who took on Muhammad Ali a few times. Yes. Um, yes, because I remember he used to do the punching on the on the goal on the post, goal right? Post. And then yes. that's, um, yeah. All right, okay. you get partial credit. Okay, you get partial you. credit yeah, for that. I'm taking full damn credit. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm taking it all. Oh. The test, the, taker, the test taker is grading his own paper. Yeah, oh. yeah. Like, no, I'm taking it all. I used to love that. They're like, hey, grade your own paper. I'm like, <laughs> Perfect paper. <laughs> 105. <laughs> I crushed well, it. Well, you got to sandbag it a little bit. <laughs> you got to cover your tracks a little bit. All right. Uh, what running back in the last 10 years is responsible for the most points ever produced in a Super Bowl with 20 points? Running back, last 10 years, most points ever produced in a Super Bowl, three touchdowns, and punched in a two-point conversion. I will say, um, oh gosh, I can't forget. I can't think of his name. Um, somebody from the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Ah, was it, is this against the uh, Falcons? Mm-hmm. Ah, a little scat back. Um, 
Oh, why do I want to think his last name is White? Um, mm-hmm. Oh, it is? Huh? Yeah, Mr. White. <laughs> look at all the fellas playing Mr. back White. there. I love oh, look this. At these guys. I love this. Look at this. I Mr. love this. Mr. White. Come on. What do you mean, come on? Come on. Uh, what? What? Uh, uh. James White! Yes! Yes! James! <laughs> yes! Uh, yes, you did. From Wisconsin. Yes. Right? Wisconsin? I think, I think so. I think, I think so. Yeah. I, I, um, oh, my goodness. Mr. White. Mr. White. White. That's not good. That wouldn't have been good enough? No. No. Uh, but you were on it. You got it. Okay. James White, yeah, scored three touchdowns and punched in a two-point conversion. 20 points most ever in any Super Bowl ever. Unbelievable. We get to question number three. What defense, this is remarkable, what defense is responsible for five interceptions in one Super Bowl game with a Super Bowl record three of them brought to the house? Wow. Three of them brought to the house. Isn't that insane? Three pick sixes in one Super Bowl from one defense. Man, I was going to say like the Cowboys because remember uh, their, their secondary um, that one year the guy got the MVP. That's really all I can think of. Uh, I, I, I want to say like maybe it was back in the day the Steelers or something. Um, trying to see if you blink, like if you blink with your eye when I say the name, you, know, you start sweating. It's not my first time under questioning. I've um, trained myself. Yeah, yeah, you're well trained. You're a pro at this. Um, I, I'll, I'll go with the Cowboys. It was the 2000. The game. The game happened in 2003, but it's Tampa Bay Bucks. Wow, that's that right. Bucks defense. Ah, that Bucks defense. Do you remember what quarterback they did it against? Who, uh, who owns five interceptions, most in any, most interceptions thrown in any yeah, Super Bowl? They played the Raiders. Bingo. Um, what quarterback? Was that? that wasn't Rich Gannon again, was it? Yes, it was. It was Rich Gannon again. R- Rich Gannon. It. Wow. Rich Gannon, who actually won that. Yeah, I think he won the MVP of the league that season. Wow. Um, oh, the regular season MVP. Okay. What defender is responsible for the longest interception ever returned for a touchdown in Super Bowl history, taking it 100 yards to the crib in Super Bowl 43? James Harrison. Yes. Without hesitation. Yeah. I remember that one. Cardinals um, were going in. Yeah. On right the one, before one yard line. Yep. Right before halftime. And... Uh, halftime ended up expiring. I mean, they just got him on the ground. It was half would have been over there Correct. towards the end, and he Correct. was huffing and puffing, and uh, just a remarkable play. I watched the play last night. I can't believe he wasn't tackled. He's yeah. got like seven white jerseys in front of him. I don't know how that he, he him with a convoy made it through. Yeah, um, and they call that in Pittsburgh the immaculate interception. Wow. Got the immaculate reception, immaculate interception to take a take a lead over that uh, Cardinals team. Okay. The most Super Bowls ever won by any franchise is six. Two teams have done it. The Patriots and who? Is it the Cowboys? No. 49ers? No. Those are both tied with five. Packers? No. Man, I give up. Crap. Steelers. Damn Steelers. Dang, I should have known that. Question number six. You, you, you were flirting with all the guys at the top. I know. Gosh. The Steelers, Buff- they won like four in a row with Bradshaw. Come yeah. on. Dang it. The Buffalo Bills, along with what other franchise, have a record four Super Bowl appearances 
with zero wins. The Buffalo Bills, along with what other franchise, have four Super Bowl appearances with no wins. So there's another team that's been to the Super Bowl four times? Correct. And has, hasn't won another one? Correct. Hasn't won one? It's the most appearances. This is a record for wow. most appearances without a win. Buffalo did it four years in a row. This team has it spread out over time. Wow, that's um But hasn't here to Clay hasn't been there hasn't been there in a bit. Hasn't been there in a bit. Quite um, a bit. Um Wow, that's uh No, I was, shoot, I was about to say uh, the, the the Dolphins there. Dude, uh, I've never seen a peanut gallery like this behind I, the glass. I, I, they're all just watching you. They are, they are, they are, they're loving this thing. This has um, been fun, man. It, it, it has been great. Um, I'm just looking at the teams right now, just yep. trying to go through it in my in my head of who it could be. Um, the Bills, along with one other franchise, have a record four Super Bowl appearances with zero wins. Vikings. Yes. Bam! 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 Yes. Good job. Who Thank knew that you. back there? Did you guys know Drew did? Okay. Oh, I know. Oh, they all knew. They all knew. We got it. They're great in their own paper, hey, too. It's easy. <laughs> hey, hey, hey it, it's easy to make plays in practice, right? right? When you don't have the mic and you don't have the spotlight right, on you, right. right? I'm making plays on game day. They're back there just, like, having a cold one. Talk, ah, oh, yeah. Vikings, uh, yeah, Vikings sounds good. This is, this no is, pressure. This is, uh, we'll finish it with this one. Okay. The most combined points in any Super Bowl. 75 total points. Talk about the over. That's a rock and chair finish. That's what we call that. Uh Rock and chair. The most combined points in any Super Bowl was 75 points between which two teams in Super Bowl 29? Super Bowl 29. Wow. Okay. Do some uh, math if you have to. No, I'm doing no math. I'm just going to go with um, Bill's Cowboys. Good guess. Because I think Cowboys actually have a record for most points in in a a Uh game. Uh, that is not the answer. It was a 49-26 to 26 route. San Francisco 49ers over the Chargers. Oh, yes. Isaiah might have been Stan Humphreys. Stan Humphreys. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think that's the game where Steve Young threw the six touchdown passes. Yep. That probably was it. Good stuff. All nice right. job. Nice work. I felt better about it today. I did better today. You did do better. Um, that was fun. Uh, the trade deadline in the NBA is about two minutes from now. If you're listening in real time and not a, after the fact on the Stokely and Zach podcast, available at denversports.com or wherever you get your podcast, we'll react to what went down coming up next.